Welcome to another podcast with me, Toby Webb, and I'm delighted that joining me in today's podcast is Amata Terrado and Albert Soret, who work for the Barcelona Supercomputing Centre. So, good morning to you both. How are you today? Good morning. We are very well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thanks for making the time to, to speak to me on the podcast. We were introduced by a friend of mine who told me that you guys are doing some really interesting work around climate modelling and agriculture, and particularly with regard to wine. So perhaps you could tell us a bit more about the work you're doing. The Barcelona Supercomputing Centre, there is a science department, and we are about 96 people working in air quality and, and climate, and we are organising four different groups. And in our group, our main objective is to do applied research, so taking into account the needs of the society, of private companies, of administrations, we try to provide useful information, taking into account the knowledge that we have in our department. So, for instance, for air quality, we work with the Barcelona City Hall and we help them to define air quality plans. And for climate, we work with energy companies and agriculture. We help them to provide forecasts for the forthcoming weeks, months and years. What are your forecasts showing you at the moment that's relevant for agriculture and for the wine sector? We cover different forecast windows. In agriculture, there are like different questions and we address them using different models that combine different forecast windows. So for instance, for when we talk about seasonal predictions, we provide information for the forthcoming months. And it's really useful for them in April to start defining the, the whole growing season to know if in summer there will be a heat wave or to better plan different tasks that goes from April to October. And how far ahead do you feel that you can credibly forecast the weather? I know there's been a lot of debate about this in the past. And of course, we also know that climate change is leading to significant unexpected weather volatility, which is causing all sorts of problems in agriculture. So I'm just wondering, how far do you guys feel you can forecast ahead of time? Uh, to know the way to, to know what's going to happen in the forthcoming months, it was to assume that the past is going to represent the future. So we call it this uh, climatology approach, so to average the last five years or 30 years. So a sample of data and then to say, okay, more or less, this is the range that is going to happen this, this year. But it implies some shortcomings. So the first one is the length of the sample. So it's important to include more years. The second is that every year it is different. And now we also have climate change that it implies a, a climate trend, but also cli climate variability. So every year we have extremes, and these extremes are even more extreme. Our objective is to demonstrate that climate predictions are useful. Okay, so we don't want to provide only the forecast. Our objective is to do an assessment, taking into account the specific needs of the users, and then also to, to provide the forecast. But we see it as a way of developing the science because now it's the point that this technology seems to be quite mature and it's important to take all this information and provide this information to the users to be used. And regarding the time scales, because you asked how far away you are able to predict. And I think here it's important to make a differentiation between what we call like very short term, which is a prediction for the next following days, then what we call medium term, which we refer to predictions that are for the next weeks and months and maybe years ahead. And also the long term predictions, which is the, the weather that we are going to have 
at the end of the century, for example. So all these different timescales can be predicted quite uh, robustly. So it depends on the variable. Of course, you are interested in is not the same predicting temperature or the change in precipitation or wind. Each variable has its own casuistics. But an important point here is that the BSC, for example, our group, is specialized in this medium-term prediction, which is for the next weeks, months, years. So even if science can predict at all time scales, we are mostly focusing in this medium one. This is especially relevant for several sectors because users need this, this kind of information. So usually when we talk about climate, people think about what's going to happen by the end of the century. But there are many companies that they need yeah, this kind of information for them to know what's going to happen this year or in the forthcoming years. And when you say medium term, what's the kind of upper limit there in terms of years? Is it sort of 10 years out? What would be the upper limit of the time scale? Yeah, the upper limit would be like 10 years. Yeah, yeah, 10 years. But it's true that when we talk to users, from, it depends on the user as well. So even if we can predict 10 years, maybe some users from the wine sector are only interested in the next months. We can provide both kinds of information, let's say, with uh, the, the, the models we are using. Okay, that's very interesting. I mean, it seems very clear to everybody that the long-term picture on climate change is not looking good at the moment unless we make very radical cuts to greenhouse gas emissions in the next 10 to 12 years. I think that's pretty clear. And then equally, it seems to me, talking to winemakers, there's a lot of very short-term volatility, which I'm sure you guys are very helpful for them in terms of planning against. But when we talk about, say, 10 years' time, if I'm running a vineyard and I'm planting vines now, it's going to take me about 10 years to start getting the kind of fruit that I want. What do your models say about how it's looking in the next 10 years in the Mediterranean region in terms of climate change? The first important point for us is to really understand what's the information that is needed. So, for instance, talking about agriculture, so the main variables are precipitation and temperature, and different farmers can have different questions taking into account their specific crops. For instance, now we did a project with the Joint Research Centre working with Decadal for maize in this case. Uh, and they had specific questions for Southern Europe and Eastern Europe. And our first task was to assess the predictability of Decadal predictions. And we saw that we have some predictability for the coming five years, okay, so between two and five years, we can provide information about precipitation, about temperature, and also we can define some, some indicators that are useful for them. So this was the first result of the project. So to assess that for their specific needs, we can provide this kind of information. So if I was a winemaker and I said to you, in the area closest to Barcelona, uh, let's say Priorat, you know, it's yeah. a hot region, what kind of temperature rises should I be planning for in 10 years' time? Is, is that a question you feel you could answer? I don't have now the results, but yes, this is the kind of questions uh, that we can provide. So first, we have to be sure that the information is robust and we provide, uh, we, we call it a forecast quality assessment, so we evaluate previous forecasts in the past, and then we can also provide the forecast, the specific forecast the people is asking. And what kind of tools and resources are available to growers and vineyard owners? I imagine it must be quite daunting for them to engage with a, you know, a supercomputing centre. What are the kind of things that they're looking for and what are the kind of tools that they're using other than very short-term weather forecasts? 
This is changing a lot in the last year. So now we have, at European level, we have Copernicus. It's a European effort to put all the forecasts and all the observations available to everybody. And there is a specific program that's Climate Change Copernicus. It's to provide also the specific tools and services. Some people, it's getting familiar with all this information. I think that now the users, they are not directly using all this information, but they are aware and they are testing it. So, for instance, for a specific field, there's some management procedures taking into account this information, and at the end of the season, they check the results. Yeah, at, at the stage we are now, what we are doing with uh, the users, for example, in the wine sector, is to work with data from the past. So we ask them to identify some particular years in which the yield was very good or very bad. And then we show them the prediction that would have been available at that moment. And we ask them, which decision would you have taken if you had this information before? And then we start understanding how they take decisions and how do we need to show them the predictions that we produce. And in this way, they also get familiar and aware that these predictions exist and can be useful for them. There is something that is important here is that we have to learn their needs. They have to learn also about the limitations of these simulations because if they use these simulations in the same way that they are using meteorological forecasts for tomorrow, for the forthcoming days, yeah, there, there will be an error. So it's, it's really important to really define the specific problems and then to develop the science to answer these problems. Okay, thank you. I'm curious, how do you connect with winemakers and vineyard owners and what do they tell you that they are worried about? Are they worried about rising temperatures meaning too much alcohol in their wine? Because, you know, the wine that's produced locally around Priorat, it's already up at around 15% alcohol. Once you get above sort of 16%, it gets actually very hard to start classifying it or to continue classifying it even as wine. So, I mean, what are the things that the winemakers and grape growers are saying to you that they're worried about? Yeah, actually they are worried about many, many things, many issues. But uh, regarding these levels of alcohol that you are describing, these levels of alcohol are high in wines because we have warmer temperatures and then alcohol accumulates earlier than it used to do in the past. So the questions that they want to solve is at which date they need to start harvesting, for example. Because if they start harvesting the day they used to do it in the past, for example, the levels of alcohol would be too high. But then if they harvest earlier than usual, it's true that they can control, they can reduce these levels of alcohol, but then the wine tastes differently. So we are just asking about which is maybe the best period to do this harvesting in order to reach a compromise between these two factors, for example. This would be one question, but there are others. They are also very interested in knowing the number of pest treatments that they should apply because also precipitation is changing and pests are very related to precipitation and temperature. And then this is something that uh, climate predictions that we provide can advise you about. And this is a useful information also for them to plan these pest treatments. Uh, there are other decisions as well. But those two, I would say, are the most important for this short term. And how do you get connected with grape growers and winemakers? How do they find out about the work you're doing? I'm curious as to how you kind of come into contact with them. Four or five years ago, we were working in a project providing this kind of information for the wind energy sector. 
In that case, we were working with energy companies. And then one of uh, one company that is here, but it's an international company, it's called Bodegas Torres. Yeah, we met in a meeting. Yeah, they saw what we were doing for wind and temperature. And they say, okay, and can you do it for these specific questions in this region? And then we started to work together and we saw that, yeah, that it was really interesting for us too. And yeah, we defined it a specific, really small project. And it was a way for us to develop a prototype, to have some material to show the things that we were doing, some presentations in Congress, things like that. And now, for instance, we are in two European projects leading this part. Then yeah, now it's, it's more easy, but the beginning is something like that. And the important thing to stress, I think, here is that in the past, these users from the agriculture sector were just users that had nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, they are also partners in the projects. That means that uh, scientific institutions are participating in the projects, but also users. And we are committed to deliver in these projects. So it's a task that they need to fulfill. And we are developing this kind of information together. It's not just us showing them the predictions that we get, but it's them asking to us what they want and us trying to tailor these predictions to their needs. Thank you. And what do they tell you that they feel that they can do in the vineyard to mitigate against climate change impacts? I mean, do they ask you for advice about this? I ask because, you know, on my wine blog, uh, sustainablewineblog.com, I've interviewed maybe 50 winemakers and I always ask them about climate change. I always ask them about alcohol levels. And a lot of them talk about things like better canopy management and other techniques that they can use in the vineyard. Do they ask you about this kind of thing? And do you think there are limits to what can be done in that area? Yeah, they ask us about these things and they can do different management actions, let's say. It will depend always on the vineyard, so you need really to sit with them and understand the characteristics of the vineyard they own, because not all of them are the same, not all all the vineyards around uh, different places have the same problems. And, uh, for example, in one of the projects we are involved in, which is called MedGoal, is a European project, a European H2020 project, we have developed what we call an info sheet, which is a piece of information, just two pages, where all these different management actions are described. So the users in the wine sector have told us, for example, I need to know when I need to prune my plants, or I need to know where I need to start the pest treatment that I was mentioning before, or also when I need to start fertilizing, or when do I need to irrigate. These kind of different things, these are decisions that they come to us with, and then they ask for advice. Yes, if you want, we can share with you this info sheet, and I think it's very complete because it has two different timescales. One is this medium-term timescale, so the decisions and the actions they need to apply in the next month, but then we also have some actions, some decisions they need to take in the long term. For example, where do I buy new areas for planting or which kind of varieties will I plant in the future? And these are also questions that they ask to us. 
in another project, it has a similar approach, but in another project, there, there is a specific question. So the project focuses on three different fields, one in Portugal, another one in Catalonia here, another one in Italy. And in this case, the farmers want to have information about crop forcing. So they, they apply crop forcing for these specific locations, and they work with our data to see the difference between the field where they apply it and, and the other fields where they didn't apply crop forcing. Could you just explain that? You said crop forcing. I want to make sure I understand what that is. It's crop forcing is pruning at the beginning of the season. So once the plant starts to have leaves and everything, you are intense pruning. And like that, the, the, the plant has to start from grow. What they want to, to do with this is that the critical season for the plant, that is more or less in July, August, it's a typical season also when, when we have heat waves. So with this extra pruning, you do like a delay on the plant. So and then you move the critical season for the plant to September. Great, thank you. That's very helpful. One final question. You mentioned the Copernicus platform, I believe, around consolidation of data and information about this. Do you see a time coming soon when sort of big data and maybe even artificial intelligence will be able to play a bigger role in helping agriculture in the Mediterranean and winemakers have a kind of a real-time information flow to improve their farming and mitigate against climate change? All these things are starting now. So we apply artificial intelligence for specific things, but we use a dynamical model. So we use a model that resolves what's happening specifically this year, and then we use artificial intelligence so to calculate some weather regimes or circulation types and see the impact of these circulation types on specific variables. But we don't do a forecast based on statistical properties, no? so using directly artificial intelligence. Of course, that there is a lot of things to do here, and also the European Commission is putting a lot of efforts here. But I don't know how it's going to evolve now. Okay, but thanks very much to both of you for your time.